Kids Get Acquainted with the Internet, a Girl Meets World podcast. I'm Dan. I'm Nan. And I'm Amanda. And today we're discussing Season 2, Episode 27 of Girl Meets World, entitled Girl Meets Money. This podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Visit audibletrial.com slash podcast for your free audiobook download. Okay, everybody, this is the uh, STEM team back again. Uh, I asked these guys back because they did such a great job last week, or two weeks ago. Um, and let's just get right into grading. So um, <laughs> I have a, an interesting response for grading this week. I um, I think I'm going to actually abstain. I don't really know how I feel about this episode yet, and I kind of want to sit on it. Some stuff about it wanted, like, and I might give my grade by the end of the episode, I think, is what I'm going to do. Because something about it sort of rubbed me the wrong way. It, it kind of felt like they were sort of glamorizing poverty maybe a little bit too much for me and the fact that they were so focused on the Farkle side of it and like the poor little rich boy thing kind of it just rubbed me the wrong way because I really do feel like this episode I really wanted to be with Maya and see why Maya's life is actually difficult instead it was more like her you know I, I don't know I just wanted to see more of that side but I do think the episode is good I definitely don't hate it uh, I thought there was some solid comedy I definitely think a lot of the messaging was was positive uh the pacing was really good it felt like a really long episode which you know is a pretty great sign when they managed to make 22 minutes feel long also I just want to give a shout out to continuity being like probably the best that it has ever been the best uh, ever <laughs> um so oh many days yes that's like my first thing here so yeah. many. go ahead continue <laughs> yeah um i i specifically wrote down uh the return of the black t-shirt from brother uh the clothes from sean and hurricane pluto from pluto the Knicks rant from New World. That's all awesome. Really glad to see stuff like that. And this is why I love continuity, because it adds to the world of the show feeling real, and these things actually happen, and these are real people. Great comedy. Good stuff with that. Uh, but yeah, as I'm saying, I, I just feel like I need to like let it sink in more, and maybe your positive attitudes will hit me in the feels the correct way, and I'll come around. What if I hated it? <laughs> I know you didn't. How do you even know? <laughs> How do you even know? Do you know me at all? I'm no, just kidding. <laughs> all right, Nan, what do you think? Um, well, I loved it. Surprise. This is actually one of my favorite episodes of the season. And I really sort of, it took me a while to realize why. And I think it's because there's a lot of things I miss about season one. Mm. Some of the things I miss about season one are that the lesson was like the focus of the episode and you didn't have the triangle. Cause you know, I'm not a huge fan of triangles <laughs> um, that that isn't kind of muddying pun intended stem, um, the clarity of what the message is. And so to me, this sort of felt like a season one episode in that you had like a really clear lesson 
all of the characters were in character because a big thing recently is he's not acting like Lucas and she's not acting like Maya and she's not acting like Riley. And that'll probably all work itself out. But everybody felt like they were acting like themselves, Mm -hmm. if that makes any sense. Can I I jump in on that part and just ask you, how do you feel like that's different from maybe like obviously yes i can see where you're coming from in the in the greater arc but how is that different from like forgiveness belief stem um i th- well i think it was different for me because i knew that this was i don't know because i could tell that this was more recent maybe mm. and the, the way it was filmed I, it had like the quality of a season two episode mm. with the feeling of a season one episode and it didn't feel like there were any awkward shipping moments mm. like if you're not a fan of Lucas and Maya, you might have, the chin thing might have bothered mm. you. Little things like that. Like, there was nothing like that for me in this episode. Okay. And that's how I felt season one. There was no sort of, like, oh, well, people are going to misinterpret that. There was no you know? slug in the way. Well, there you go. <laughs> Bringing it all around. So that's that. That's why I really liked it. It felt like a season one episode, but a season two quality. Mm. I also really liked um, Girly. Um, that they had winter clothes because <laughs> I feel like so often TV shows that are filmed and air sort of in different seasons than the traditional fall, winter, spring, you know, they sort of ignore mm. the fact that they live in New York and yeah. New York gets cold. I'm assuming Amanda can correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> I can attest to that. We're expecting crazy snow this weekend. Because yeah. so. I'm, I'm, I'm Nan from Florida. So, <laughs> so I love me some winter clothes because I never get to wear them. So I really, really enjoyed that, which is sort of a simple thing. I really, um, Ryder and Shiloh directed the episode and they always do a really good job. I thought they incorporated the new set of Farkle's room really well. You know, yeah. they made it seem massive. It was a good and set. It chances are it wasn't necessarily like a huge mammoth football size room, but like they made it seem that way through their direction, and that's what they were going for, and that's what the episode was teaching us that you don't need that space. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think if there is anything else. It felt a lot like belief for me, and we all know I really like belief. Mm. Um, just you know, bringing in the dollar and everything, and then the message was very personal for me, and I guess we can get into that later, but. There was so there was a lot I really liked about it. I loved the comedy. I thought Lucas was hilarious. Like, oh, that's a good shot. Like, my dad plays mm. golf, and so does my brother-in-law, and it was just a very guy thing. Mm-hmm. And Riley playing the zombie video games. I thought, you know, they were funny, and they were funny yeah. supporting characters. Maya, this is the Maya I love. This is the Maya I've missed. Mm. She was funny when she yeah. needed to be funny. She was vulnerable when she needed to be vulnerable. She was strong when she need to, needed to be strong. So I miss that. The one thing I'm going to ask you is, what is your grade? Oh, <laughs> I was going to say, I don't think she gave a grade yet. <laughs> Oops. Sorry, guys. I'm still new at this. Um, so I gave it an A. You know, I guess, mm. like, it's very hard for me to give, like, an A+. plus. You yeah. know, but um, I, I give it an A. I mean, and there are things that could have been done better, so part of me wants to give it an A-, minus, but my gut says A. So. Okay. Okay, so I'm actually a little surprised in the differences in our grading because I'm not going to lie, Dan. Like, I've listened to the podcast for a while. Mm. I usually give it the same grade that you do. Yeah. Um, like, I think, obviously, Keith and Kaylin, they make a, a lot of great points, and I actually agree with probably 90% of what they say, but I tend to be, like, 
more lenient on the grading. I don't know. I, mm. I typically agree with you on, on most episodes. Yeah. This one, I give it like a high B plus A minus. Yeah. I'm like kind of hesitant to like say A minus because it's by like no means perfect. Like I yeah. definitely would have given an A. And kind of how you said, like maybe by the end I'll kind of shift more one way. I think I'm going to yeah. stand strong by the A minus. I think I'm leaning more towards that way. Yeah. My only real issue issue with it was, and this is like, not normal for me. It was like I really didn't like the Augie storyline at all. Oh, really? I like really almost hated it. And I can kind really? of get into that. Yeah, it just Whoa. It, it felt so like not real life to me. Mm. Um I mean really? I guess I don't know how we're gonna go through the episode, but basically like I don't know. I feel like he's too young to like know what his parents are making. Mm. Well it's interesting you My mind is that. blown right now. <laughs> well, this is the thing is like I – it's interesting because like part of my story, like I had both – both of my parents were in the business world. My dad was an accountant. My mom works for like a big company and basically my dad had like a midlife crisis at 30. Mm. So I was kind of around Augie's eight – well, maybe not 30, a little over 30, but younger than an actual midlife crisis yeah. is, is the point. And – I was, like, maybe around Augie's age when that happened. I literally had no idea about it until, like, maybe five years ago. Yeah. And I just feel like, I guess teacher and lawyer, it's pretty significant. But they live in, like, a very nice place. He clearly teaches at a good school. And it just, to me, did not make sense that Augie was, like, that in tune with their salaries. And, I mean, I thought the storyline was cute. Maybe it was just to, like, make it work. But... That's the part of the episode that I didn't love. But overall, like, as you mentioned earlier, the continuity was pretty great. Mm. Like, there were just so many parts of different episodes that were included. Like, Brother with the Blessed Shirt, Pluto Mm. with the thing Farkle said, which is, like, probably one of my favorite lines of the whole episode. Mm. Hurricane with Sean's clothing. World of Terror with the ferret in Maya's room. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that Mm -hmm. And, Ginger. um, mm -hmm. I mean, people change people. There's obviously in a ton of different episodes, but, yeah. Uh, is the guitar a reference back to 61, or is it a different guitar? Hmm. I thought it was the same guitar. I didn't necessarily think 1961, but... um. Mikko, isn't he given the guitar by Riley or something? She, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, May Clutterbucket gave it to Rosie McGee, hmm. and Riley gave it back to Maya. Yeah. Um, but there... That's a, you know, that actually I never really thought about that. I did notice in Farkle's Maya room at the end, mm. he had pictures like her drawing that she did in Girl Meets Boy mm. of the night sky. And like it showed her drawing and Riley's like, you're the best there yeah. is. I, I really appreciated that. Yeah. So little things like that. Um, I do want to say and to your point about Augie, Amanda, mm-hmm. uh, I think it's interesting because to me, the only way Augie would know this stuff is if it was actually a point of tension in their marriage. Like, right? I, th- I think that he would know about like, I feel like it's realistic if they had fights about it. But the way but then the way that they both interacted about it suggested otherwise to me. There's no way. Exactly. Yeah. Like, there's no way Topang was like, oh, you're going to be a teacher. Come on. You know, well, I mean, but at the same time, he's super spy, Augie's super Mm. spy. So, like, he probably is aware of more things than they realize. And, like, Mm -hmm. I, I I mean, I work with children. And so I think that they're a lot more aware of things than Mm. we think they are, if that makes any sense. Like, not necessarily, like, but the fact that Topanga might wear, you know, like, high-powered suits Mm. and that they were able to buy into 
the Swarovski Bakery because of Topanga yeah. taking her on as a partner. That wasn't Corey's salary. That was, you know, Topanga's baby. So, like, I think he would probably be aware, not necessarily what the salary difference is. Yeah. But, I mean, I worked. I worked, you know, I'm just kidding. I grew up mm. <laughs> and my dad worked and my mom didn't. And so... I remember, you know, when I was Augie's age, being very kind of aware of the fact that my mom didn't have an income and my dad mm. did. And, you know, I maybe when I was a bratty teenager, I might have thrown it in her face. Mm. Like, this isn't your money. This is dad's <laughs> money. I'm a and lot older now, is like, Because <laughs> the thing is, like, I still give it, like, a significantly high grade. Like, yeah, this didn't, yeah. like, tur- turn me off to the episode whatsoever. I just, mm. I'm being a little nitpicky with no, that. No, I, I get it. I get it. Yeah. I, well, here's the thing, too. Actually, the more I think about it, they've been very, like, sunshine and roses about Cory and Topanga's relationship throughout Girl Meets World. Mm-hmm. But if you actually look back at their relationship in Boy Meets World... Him having an issue with her making more money than him is actually in character. If you look back at like the episode where he's like on the call center thing and he can't make yeah, any sales, yeah, magazines, right? Yeah, <laughs> and, and she and she's doing so much better than him. He he's an insecure man, and he's he's kind of was always like a, in a weird way like a guy's guy in that like his values at least of like what he thinks he has to he has to provide for her. So like I actually do think it would make sense for Corey to be insecure about this. Well, I mean, but... it's possible, like, even in the pilot, Maya's like, he's like, thank you, future Mini Mart employee of the month. Mm, and she's yeah. like, would I be making more than you? Mm. So, like, that's Maya. She might have joked like that in front of Augie, for yeah. all we know. And the fact that the bakery turned into Topanga's, mm. like, that's that signifies that yeah. she put a, a lot of money in to yeah. become a partner. I'm just... Because he's the super spy and because they sort of have <laughs> yeah. portrayed him as being this 80-year-old man trapped in this like in this 52-year <laughs> yeah. marriage with Ava in this little like eight-year-old body, I didn't bother me at all. Yeah. And that's the thing is like I've talked before about like kids on TV actually acting their age. So it's mm. not like a surprise that he like knew that stuff. Yeah. But Again, very yeah. super minor, and I just love him, so I expect yeah. so much. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's gonna, it's gonna be. He was, he looks so tall. Yeah, like, he that did. Just me, no. because the next yeah. episode we're gonna see theoretically, I think, is communism, and that was filmed last December. Mm. And kids grow a lot when they're yeah. age, so I think he's gonna look significantly younger. Yeah. I just noticed how tall <laughs> and old he looked in this episode. Yeah. Um, so I guess the last thing I want to say before we like delve into you know more of the chronological order of the episode and the points and stuff like that is i did want to respond also to you to you saying that you were surprised at how different my opinion was i specifically was abstaining as opposed to giving it a negative grade because i'm not mm-hmm. like i don't think it's a bad episode they and i so it's like the thing was i came away not really liking it but not really knowing why mm-hmm. and that's why like i kind of wanted to talk with you and see if maybe i could figure that out um, gotcha. and that, that's the thing, cause like, I don't want to say like, oh, this is a bad episode. I'm going to give it a C or something because I don't, I can't like point to specific reasons really beyond just the fact that it, I'm, the only thing I, I keep coming back to is I guess I feel like it should have been a Maya episode more than a Farkle episode. And it's mm-hmm. hard for me to connect with, you know, poor little rich boy as when, and, and, and show like, oh, Maya's life is so nice. And instead of, I, I, I want to see her struggling and really well that's so funny because to me it was so much more a Maya episode than a Farkle episode 
like to me, I don't know, maybe it's because I, whatever my issues with Maya have been this season, but like mm-hmm. to me, she was the aspirational character. Farkle wanted to be here. She was the one that got the money. She was mm-hmm. the one that knew better than her friend. Like, yeah, but I don't he know. was the one who had dramatic moments alone with his parent. Where was Katie in this episode? You know, like, I, I don't know. I, I think that I think that definitely Maya has an arc going on here. And honestly, the thing that I, I thought was a little bit off about it was that it felt like it was supposed to be a Farkle episode. We were spending all this time at, with his family and his house, but he wasn't the one with an arc, really. He From the very beginning, he was embarrassed, and he continued to be embarrassed, whereas it, I really do. You're, I can see why you'd argue it was a Maya episode, because she actually has an arc, and she apologizes for you know how much he's complained about stuff. So, I don't know. I, it felt like they were kind of had dueling things going on here, and I kind of wanted it to maybe be more focused. I, I'm not sure. I'm trying to figure out what my issue is. Well, maybe, I mean, I think that's a good we'll, point. We'll maybe it was. It yeah. <laughs> well, maybe it was Sparkle, but Sabrina just, like, knocked it out of the park. To me. Oh, she I think she did so a great good. job. Yeah. She, she totally, like, so totally good. stole the episode. Like, so maybe that's why. Mm. Like, she kind of made it her own. Her comedy was great. All right, let's start at the beginning. Uh, so I'm basically, we're kind of going scene by scene, but it's more just, I guess, like, put, like, discussion points in chronological order. So we start off with the opening, and Corey gives everybody a dollar, like you said, sort of reminiscent of belief in some ways. And I liked Maya being like, it's a trap, everybody just give your dollars to me and I'll hold them. That's what I'll do. Like, I thought that was really funny. And so so it's all about, he's, he's teaching them about money, and we have this whole thing with the black shirts. Anything you guys want to talk about with his opening lesson? It hit home, because I am a a brand snob. So, I, I mean, I, I, I've always identified with Riley yeah. for a lot of reasons, but I definitely... It was it was like looking in a mirror. I was like, <laughs> oh wow, that's definitely me, you know, because I I found myself doing that. Like, oh, you know, um, not so much, maybe more growing up, like when I was her age and in yeah. high school, than more recently. But I I think that's a really common thing. I work in middle school and high school and even elementary school yeah. with um, teenagers and even boys. It's like. Oh, do you have your Jordans and your LeBron? Yeah. It's a status thing, and yeah, status like matters in brands, high school. Brands, brands, even, and I, I mean, and I work in, you know, an urban public school system, but like even like LeBrons versus Jordans versus all these other things, like the brand means something and gives something value, and mm. that's interesting that that sort of crosses socioeconomic differences. It never mattered to me, but I thought this was a really great moment, and I really liked Corey's sort of, like, double trick with her. Uh, it did. It felt like a good teaching moment, so I appreciated mm-hmm. that, um, and it, it made up for the fact that there's absolutely no history going on. <laughs> <laughs> it talked about the gold yeah. standard, Dan. <laughs> So my friend, nice. um, my friend Amy, her husband was, he's in the army and he worked at Fort Knox. Mm-hmm. And I was like, tr- I was, I would always try to find out like, is the gold in Fort Knox? Cause that's apparently where, you know, the government keeps all the gold that used to be part of the gold standard. Mm-hmm. And it's this big, you know, government secret. Like, is the gold there? Is it not? Cause they showed some video in the seventies that it was all there, but we really don't use the gold standard anymore. Yeah. Our money is only what we believe it is. Yeah. And I thought that was a really good lesson. Yeah. No, I, I do think that the messages that they're aiming for with this episode are very strong again. I liked what they did with Riley in the t-shirts, just like you said, the double trick. Mm. And I think it made so much sense for this 
age group because mm. I just think back to like when I was that age, I wanted the brand things, but I knew that it was just a brand. So I would get like the mock things and it was just as good. Yeah. And so I really connected with this lesson, especially for like teenage girls. And I think like Girl Meets World has been struggling to find this like sweet spot of like the age demographic. Mm-hmm. And I think this lesson kind of hits across the board, yeah. like whether you're six years old, 10 years old, 17 years old, or <clears throat> as old as we are. And <laughs> <laughs> you're um, a baby. <laughs> stop it. So I just think like, again, was it a history lesson? No, I did not bother me in the slightest because recently I've been watching a lot of Boy Meets World and like, I didn't even realize the lack of history that Phoebe yeah. teaches you. <laughs> well, what so <laughs> like, what did he even teach? Um, exactly. So I just, I really liked where he was going with it. And I think, like, as I said, I think it kind of hit across the board. Like it wasn't yeah. too much going on. It wasn't too simple. And I think... I just really liked it. My one thing Mm -hmm. is just to add on to this scene kind of. So I like what he did to Riley. Mm. Was she being like a little like, oh, this is soft. Mm. Like Riley E. Borderline. (laughs) I mean, she was being a little like cartoonish. A little cartoonish. And like, I I love Riley. I just want to hug her. But like girl (laughs) okay well i gotta stay for my girl no but i think it was similar to belief i think it's like Mm -hmm. she's being this exaggerated version um and in the end you know she gave the demolition shirt to maya because Mm -hmm. she's like i was wrong you know no no she made a mistake that's the whole thing she she accidentally gave the demolition shirt to maya (laughs) i choose to believe different (laughs) but uh here's the thing i actually that stuff I can understand why you'd feel like it was a bit much, but I also feel like I hadn't really seen that Riley in a while, so I, I didn't really mind right. it. Um, That's true. She did a lot of growing up recently, yeah. so we'll, we'll give her this one. Yeah. <laughs> um, She's had a lot of growth. Season yeah. two growth. <laughs> so I'm going to bring us talking about Minkus International, uh, Far- and they talk about how Farkle has never let them over to his house before, and he's kind of embarrassed about it. Uh, the Minkus pops in, and he's upset, and he ends up, like, lying on the bench and telling them about how he's losing all their money. Um, and this this is one thing of the episode that I definitely can point to that it did hurt my enjoyment. I am not a super big fan of Minkus, honestly, and I just don't think he's awesome. I, I, just, I'm, I was never, I've never been a fan of him, and I did not super love the performance here. It was very consistent with Boy Meets World Minkus, though, Mm. because Boy Meets World Minkus would have those sort of really dramatic moments. Yeah. Um, So at least it was consistent, whether you like it or not. You know, Uh, and I don't think mm -hmm. it was like awful or anything. It just isn't for me. Um, (laughs) I mean, I like that little cry thing. I actually kind of laughed at that. Yeah. But this is the thing like this isn't an issue with the episode, but. Just an issue of, like, some of the choices they've made in bringing in Boy Meets World characters. Yeah. Like, does he have a striking resemblance to Corey Fogelmanis? Like, yes, absolutely. Mm. But it's just one of those things. Like, how did all of Philadelphia literally relocate to New York? Yeah. And I kind of, like, I can't base this episode on that because this is already how they've included Minkus into the storyline. So we have, I have to kind of, like, not even think about that at this point. That's a criticism for, like 
what was it, Maya's mother when we first saw him? Yeah. Well, I mean, well, he, he fall, I mean, running a multinational, like, huge business, like Minkus International, apparently, you know, it's like, mm. that's where Wall Street is. Yeah, well, that's yeah. the thing. Yeah. That's, that's the thing. I think that Minkus makes some sense. The thing, the people that don't make like sense Harley, are like Harley, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Harley, Tommy. Even those, Turner. Yeah, those don't, those are all kind of weird. Tommy's but I, working I, for the campaign right now, <laughs> damn. Isn't the campaign already finished? He's already it's the senator. It's election season. I you thought he, no, but I thought, oh, well, isn't no, he officially the senator now? Oh yeah, make it six year terms, never mind. <laughs> anyway. Um, <laughs> I thought I see what you're saying, like the uncomfortable, like, was it like the best scene in the episode? No, but I I got a little laugh out of that little cry thing he did. I kind of, I thought that was cute. I was giving a more general statement about his performance in the episode throughout. Yeah. Um, Okay. Yeah. Like this particular, that little weird laugh thing, I can kind of, I thought it was kind of funny. It was more the bank flying thing didn't do anything for me. Yeah. Um, But I do think it was consistent with like that little itty bitty, like tiny little boy from season one, Boy Meets World. Yeah. He was just so bizarre. <laughs> so then we go to Topanga's, and uh, we have a sort of Sean connection to the episode I Ain't Gonna Spray Let Us No More, season four, episode three, where Sean taught Corey about being poor. Now we have uh, Maya teaching Farkle. And um, oh, I don't know, yeah. anything you want to say about this? $82 a lesson? Yeah. <laughs> that was great humor. Yeah. I really, I thought it, he was... I don't know. It's sort of he was like, I don't care about money. I just want to learn how to be poor. It was, he jumped there very quickly. Yeah, yeah. Similar to belief, he sort mm. of just like made this leap that we didn't necessarily see the, I guess, conflict or progression. Yeah. in. But she was amazing, of course. Yeah. No. Yeah, and that's the thing. I think that that was a big part that sort of that I did struggle with, which it felt like it was a Farkle episode. He's the one who's having his money taken away from him. He's the one whose house we go to. And you're right that he starts already wanting to be Maya and not really necessarily needing these lessons because he already agrees with everything. He's, it's not like he's changing from like this, this guy who loves things and money and stuff and, and, and realizes his faults. It's he's already there. And yeah, I it's feel not like, like he was freaking out. Like, yeah. Oh, what now? <laughs> yeah, it's not like if we had Jack losing all of his money, you know? Right. Yeah, um, <laughs> that's like a very good point. Yeah. But that's the thing is they've made like Stuart Minkus about having all the money and yeah. living the life. And if you think back to the last two seasons, like it would have been out of character for Farkle to freak out about losing yeah. the money. Like that's never been a, a part of his character or anything that he's like made known. Yeah. Or said like, well, my father owns Minx Internet. Like, it's not, you yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. He's very steady. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I don't know that I would have centered this this i this theme around his dad losing money at the company. I really would have made it more about we're gonna spend time with Maya at home. We're gonna see Katie more. We're gonna see why she keeps complaining and why things are actually tough. His dad possibly losing money at the company, yeah, he must yeah. add. Um, but so one of the messages that, that uh, Maya does give Farkle is that, you know, she has these clothes from Sean. She doesn't have much, but she appreciates what she has. She takes good care of it. You know, a positive message there for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so then we end up at Farkle's place, um, and we have this whole thing with them all with their mouths open, and Farkle has his open because Maya keeps hitting him. Oh my god, I love that. Yeah, I this was a fan was of that. The whole, the whole Farkle's room scene to me was just amazing. Yeah. Like, same. It was just this, like, 
big builds up like one joke after the next like I like, loved it so much like the Lucas playing golf I mean I know I mentioned it in my grading but even yeah. just like remembering it my dad has a little golf machine like that with a little ball hanging from the plastic thing mm. that you can shoot indoors <laughs> and it like traject you know shows you the trajectory and he's like okay yeah like yeah. And then the playing the zombie thing, you know. Yeah. The, the, and the, uh, this, they use the space so well in the train. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I just thought it, the whole scene, I just loved Farkle's room. Yeah. I think that they did do a good job of making them feel like friends and making it feel like a normal day hanging out. And mm-hmm. I'd love to see more stuff like this. And then there's a lot of solid comedy in these scenes. And it also exactly. showed how separate they were, like how the bigger the space was. Mm. Like Riley was doing her thing and Lucas was doing his thing. And Maya yeah. went and turned into Audrey Hepburn from Breakfast mm-hmm. at Tiffany's on the train. <laughs> yeah. I love the train. Oh, my God. <laughs> and then she came back and she looks like gorgeous, of course. Mm. But like I just, you know, even though they were so separated. Like it still had that intimate moment with Maya and Farkle where he was able to learn a lesson. So I thought the direction in that whole scene was really good. Definitely. Maya's face on the train. Like Mm. I need to give him that. That was, I was dying. (laughs) I stopped at the gift shop. (laughs) Oh my God. So funny. And then this is the part where, like Farkle's showing them that he has the planetarium as a ceiling. And he says, Pluto will always be a planet in my room. Mm. I cried. Oh. I'm not going to lie. I cried. Yeah. That's a great moment. I cried for you, Caitlin. Such a great <laughs> moment. And Pl- again, it's just one of those things that like makes this world feel real. Like We're going back to Pluto. We're going back to all of these things. And I love that line so mm. much. And I feel like I kind of have to admit that that could be an okay shipping moment if you're someone who likes that kind of thing. Yeah, I'll take it. Like, they didn't give each other eyes or anything. They weren't, like, how Lucas and Maya are sometimes. But I can see it in, like, two years. If if they want to use that as a flashback, I'm okay with it. Um, Yep, the Lucas line, he says, oh, that's got some distance. (laughs) Amazing. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And, like, as Nan said before, it shows, like, even though he has all this stuff, it really does separate them. And Maya and Farkle kind of figure that out. They go through the rules or whatever mm. and again like such a fun like fast-paced scene also had these like sweet little moments and i thought like it balanced itself out really well yeah definitely and i really enjoyed seeing maya and farkle together like i mm. mean i know mm-hmm. i feel like not a typical like, pairing yeah i feel like they've and that's one thing i loved about belief too is yeah. like and even you know stem that it showed all these different pairings but that's one you know pairing that we sort of have seen throughout like she's super protective of him she wants him to be the bird protected in the tree in her art class and all of that stuff but like I don't know I just I really really appreciated them sort of building that relationship a lot like and again to me as a friendship but you know exactly and as Dan said before (laughs) just more scenes of them like being friends and hanging out and having natural friendship chemistry instead of just saying like you're my best friend. We're all friends. Yeah. I like you. You like me. Like, <laughs> yeah. this was like a very natural way that they were all just talking in general. Like, I can't explain it. It yeah. just felt yeah. natural. Showing it instead felt... of telling. Yeah. Exactly. Showing instead of telling. It felt easy. It felt effortless. And that's my opinion yes. on that. I have two questions. Um, I was just thinking about, and I hadn't really, hadn't really come to me until now, that... How much since Texas 
uh, Lucas has been super background while Farkle has been really in the foreground. And, mm. like, it's it's been through a bunch of these episodes now where Farkle's had, like, very major stuff to do. And, I, I mean, I don't – I think he's had some interesting stuff, and I don't need Lucas to be in the front or anything. But it, it has felt like a while now where Lucas has been very background. And how do you – and that and Zay – popping in and out and in and out how do we feel about that oh yeah i I wish they was there that's true yeah and this is the thing about lucas i feel like everyone like season one we can all admit he was kind of blah and he's actually one of the reasons why i didn't like love it at first i was like great they just picked this good looking kid he doesn't do much yeah but i feel like they addressed that with like secret of life and then great now lucas has a backstory and now we're done again for a while yeah like, he's had comedic moments and whatnot, and obviously Texas is a big arc of his, but there's mm-hmm. an argument that, like, Texas kind of excluded him. It yeah. was more about, like, he didn't the make any decisions. at the yeah. Like, even throughout, he just kind of was, like, going with yeah. whatever they were going with. So I would say Texas 1 is a episode. big one. You know, yeah. te- Texas mm-hmm. Part 1 is a big Lucas one, but the rest of them, yeah, are not I actually think, about Lucas. Yeah, I think, like, he's had some good moments. Like, Riley Town was a big Lucas moment for me when, the, obviously, the breaking the table and whatnot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I think they're putting that on the back burner on purpose because they want to address it either in Legacy or in Season 3. Yeah. Because right. even, like, some information I know from the live taping, you know, there are scenes, like, with R- Lucas and Riley that were cut. Mm. Before the final episode. So I think for whatever reason, they're making that strategic decision. And that's one thing, like, I know I know, I normally go off on my harp about the placement of the episodes. And yeah. technically this, you know, I'm not going to do that again. Don't worry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> you can keep your I've been on. so good. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I've tried to be really good. So my friend Katie, I was like, what? They didn't even address the triangle? And she was like, she gave me whatever the equivalent of a smack is <laughs> through Twitter DMs in terms of being like, Nat, stop it. You know they're not going to address it again until Legacy, so stop judging these episodes based on that. And I was like, so okay. True. Shout out yeah. Katie, what's up? I do have to say, <laughs> though, learn, I, I think that he's right, but I absolutely am not going to be able to do that during Bay Window. But I, 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 just, ho- I think that Bay Window is going to be like this. Like but I can't. About... It, if it's all about their friendship, and their friendship is should be very fractured right now, I just can't do that. But this was like, filmed after Texas, too. Yeah, but this is is so much of a just filler episode. Honestly, it's a good filler episode. Yeah, but like it is a it is filler. Whereas Bay Window could have been like a moment where they're dealing with the fact that their friendship is fractured and renewing their friendship and reconnecting. And I just don't think that's gonna happen. Yeah, I know. I I don't think it. I'm not even gonna. I'm not going to make any comments about it until it airs at all because I don't want anything to ruin what I'm going to think of it. I don't know why Mm. this is like the one I've been most excited for. So I just want to watch it and be happy. (laughs) Well, and I think I got on the tangent because we were talking about Lucas. I think that they're putting him on the back burner on purpose Mm -hmm. because they want to address it later on. And I have just decided to go with it and to stop complaining because that makes me a happier person. Well, it just bums me out, not because I want to see the triangle stuff, but because I think that he's really grown into his role and is really uh, was a really funny part of, of Texas. Mm-hmm. And so I'd like to see him have more to do, even just comedically. But, you know, it's not like a problem. It's just something that I would like to see more of. All right. Can we, so we've already talked a little bit about the whole Augie allowance thing. 
do we want to say more about at least the intro here of it and you know him not having like Corey not having the money for the three dollars and well he was really cute mm. whatever his lines were i don't remember exactly but he said it's so cute like what did he say he's like i don't want to take all your money what did he the, say i want to put a dent in you yeah that was yeah. hilarious yeah so the, the, the mother, mother of the, of the house, house yeah. Yeah. yeah great stuff just so uh, we can spend it on Ava, but anyway. <laughs> no. You uh, told me this was real. Sorry. <laughs> Call back. Um, so I'm going to skip us down to Maya's apartment. I was glad that we came back here. Yay! Um, I thought that was a really smart move. And Ginger uh, was there. Yes, that was fun. Uh, the guitar thing was fun. And uh, so I, I did like some of the stuff they were doing here with Maya knowing everybody nearby. There's the whole thing with Mitsubruzzo, who has two jackets. And Farkle sort of saying he prefers Maya's room. He prefers the closeness and the community and all that. And that's what's really important. Uh, anything you want to say about this? Um, I just thought it it works so well with the episode. It was very smart to bring him to Maya's room mm. afterwards to see how different it was from Farkle's room. Yeah. Um, I think there was a little bit more like telling, not showing with the roof and stuff. But like, again, yeah. this is totally, totally nitpicking. This didn't affect my grading at all. I love being back in Maya's room. We haven't seen it in a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I liked yeah. it a lot, yeah. And and Riley used the line, your cat that's really a ferret is really a rat. Yeah. And then I like that Lucas really liked the animals, you know, because we know he wants to be a veterinarian. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. That's funny. Um, and that was a really good lesson. She's like, when you don't have money, you learn why money is... Yeah. When it comes in handy, you know, and, I think that that was a good lesson. And that, but see now, I agree with you, but that is what I wanted to be shown and not told. Because I did feel like, it felt like Farkle the rich guy is vacationing in this quaint little thing and saying, look how great it is not to have money and not really being impressed upon what it actually means to not have money. And it just came off strange to me to not really have him learn or, or have to or experience what that actually means. And so maybe Maya isn't the best person to do that because maybe she isn't that bad off and maybe that is her lesson here. But it just felt like a weird thing to me. I don't know. It made it, made it seem like he was going like, oh, look how great it is not to have money. And yes, she says, well, that's it's not all about that, but I don't know. I just feel like I would have critiqued it even more if he went to her room and was like, kind of grossed out if like something leaked on him like yeah. i feel like that would have made me not like him mm. and i see what you're saying in terms of like consistently conveying the same message and like him being able to grow throughout the episode but yeah. it like for some reason just didn't bother me yeah. like mm-hmm. i i feel like they kind of said what they needed to say again like i didn't i've had an issue i said in stem like with farkle being this like enemy who just doesn't get it yeah, yeah. and it was like refreshing that he kind of did get it and he wasn't like this person they were trying to prove like it's okay to live like this like yeah. and i think that's why i didn't have a problem with it because i have had a problem with him being like the enemy and like yeah. what's wrong with what they're trying to teach so i think well, i can understand I that yeah i think he was kind of going into it's sort of like a naive a naivete or whatever yeah. you know experiencing a different kind of lifestyle but um you know he sort of takes away like we're all together and that's all that matters so who needs money anyway 
and he really glamorizes yeah. Maya's lifestyle. And that's you know? what I have a problem and, with. <laughs> right, no, exactly. Yeah. But, but she corrects that, and she's like, well, you know, in reality, yes, there are good things, but there are also bad things. Yeah. So, like, that sort of, I, I think it was realistic to sort of coming from this excess And this room where all of your friends are separated to this sort of like intimate fun exchange. It's Mm. easy to be like, oh, this is like the way life should be. And it's like, no, reality is reality. Yeah. And that's why I think that the the response that the response then is mostly Corey's next lesson with the pie and everything. And I think that that's very strong. I guess so, which is why I don't think that they did a bad job. I think that overall the message worked. I just think I would have liked to have that the pie scene conveyed to me through something in the story as opposed to Corey telling me. I see what you're saying. I just, I also feel like it could have easily turned into like Farkle trying to give, like make it more of a charity thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, like I'm going to fix my whole apartment. And, exactly. Yeah. It could have easily been Farkle like coming into Maya's room and everything's fixed. And she's like, wait, where's this little hole in the wall that makes this unique to my room? You know yeah. what I mean? Like it could have, easily gone in that direction of Farkle like trying to give her charity yeah and again like I I kind of throw a lot of ifs in that and that's what kind of makes the episode work for me because it could have gone in that direction yeah, and I'm yeah. so glad that it didn't yeah I I mean so as we move into the pie lesson more and and Corey talking about like most people live in less than two dollars a day and medical care nobody's getting that I think that the Mies messages here are really strong and really good. And I like Corey's uh, descriptions here. And it, it does have an impact on Farkle, like what I was talking about, as far as it really does hit him and make him feel humiliated. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think that maybe maybe now that I'm thinking about it more, because I did just watch it for the first time, maybe that actually is a pretty strong thing because it is going from him sort of, what I was just saying, vacationing or exoticizing or glorifying Maya's place and then realizing the actual reality in the following scene. Uh, that actually is a pretty strong moment now that I think about it. But... Well, I think the acting like in that scene, I mean, I definitely cried when he said the Pluto line, but that's mm. personal. But <laughs> Rowan... Cry well, Riley, but mm. Rowan as Riley. You know, she cried when they were talking about um, world poverty and you know the people in the world that live under two dollars a day. And I, whenever Riley cries, I cry. Mm-hmm. It's one of my big grading criteria. Someone was <laughs> like, "Why do you like Girl Meets Forgotten so much?" And I'm like, "Because I cried." <laughs> you know, like it's, it's really heavy on Forgotten my gra- so much. Yeah, <laughs> so it made me cry. Um, so. Like, I think that was a really, really powerful moment because I think that they're young and you don't necessarily know all of that because you're not supposed to. Um, You're supposed to be kind of sheltered. And so I think just seeing the tears in her eyes, I just lost it. And I think that this is a there's a pivotal moment here for Maya that I think people have been kind of asking for for a long time as far as her saying, like, her realizing she's one of the us, she it doesn't have it that bad, and apologizing for over complaining. I think that that is a moment that people have been. I've been. I've seen a lot of people on Twitter being like, "Her life isn't that bad. She complains yeah. too much. She's whiny." Blah blah blah. And even though I haven't totally agreed with all those people, I think this was a, a moment that is was important for that reason. Um, and it was a good character. Well, it's very for... like first world problems kind yeah. of thing. You know, yeah. it's like, well, we have healthcare. You know, like we have access yeah. to an emergency room and things like that. Like that's everybody. And that's yeah. something you don't realize 
when you're in middle school until you learn about it. Mm, yeah. It's really, really realistic to me. Yeah. It's good stuff. Yeah, just to go. go off on that, like the writers tweeted the other day, the line about the waffles and the waking up in a warm bed. Mm. And like, there was a lot of Twitter hate at that because obviously people may not have seen the episode yet. And they were like, wait a second, people are poor. They're living under a dot. Like the Twitter yeah. response to that tweet was like crazy. I was shocked. Really? Yeah. Everybody. And... Well, for me, everybody turned it into a ship moment. They're like, well, how can we turn this into you know, <laughs> a Corpanga baby or something? <laughs> I don't know. And... But yeah, there was plenty of that other stuff too. Like the lesson was good. And I think it really hit home with the kids. And even like me, these are things I know, but it kind of like reminded me too, as a viewer at home. And that's, again, one of those lessons that really just across the board can affect so many people. It's not like too upper level. It's not too basic, you know, like it really, it really did work. And it was a, you could see in these kids' faces, like it was a tough lesson for them to learn. And that's yeah. where like the acting, the story writing, the direct, like it all just worked together in this yeah. scene for me. I guess, <laughs> so it's interesting that you said that with the waffle thing, because I, I would never have had that immediate reaction. But I guess trying to think from that per, that point of view, uh, you could say stuff like, Maya could very easily not have health insurance. And yes, she has access to medical care, but... You know, there's a lot of people who really struggle to pay their medical bills and are really having a hard time. And are you minimizing their difficulties? I don't I I don't think so when you're doing it in comparison to the people who are living on two dollars a day. But I can see why some people living in those kinds of circumstances would take offense potentially. Um, I don't know. Well, I mean, in working with children, you know, I work, you know, with children of a variety of socioeconomic strata or whatever. But um, when you compare the issues that we deal with in America versus the issues that they deal with in other countries, you know, like we have a childhood obesity problem. Mm. They have a childhood hunger, like famine. So it just, it's always important to kind of, recognize what you're dealing with in the grander scheme of the world. And it's so easy, especially during these kind of like election years. And, um, you know, we learn like Oscar season and all of this stuff. Like we focus so much on these domestic things. Mm. And I think recognizing how we are sort of in the grander scheme of the universe or the world or whatever (laughs) that we're meeting, I think it's a really, it's a really powerful thing. And it's something that I remember going through when I was their age, like, wow, I had no idea this was going on in Southeast Asia. Um, because you know, I was young. So I, I really think that's a very important thing for them to show. Yeah. To add on a little, but about the lesson, like a lot of my friends now are teachers and Mm. they see kids who come into school every day and like may not have gotten like had breakfast or been able to have breakfast. Like she has to ask some of these kids every day if they like had a meal yet. And Mm. so it's just very real. It's very prevalent. And Mm -hmm. again, it just ties into how the lesson was, I thought very effective and powerful. Mm -hmm. I mean, and so many children, you know, their meals, like they're on free breakfast and free lunch at school. Exactly. And things like over holiday breaks, like we were just on, you know, yeah. you don't have that. So even in the first world, we still do, like, even though we have a childhood obesity problem, we also have a hunger problem and food deserts yeah. and things like that. So totally. And I guess that's the kind of thing where I'm like, 
I wish it was actually a Maya-centric episode and it was about her dealing with something like that and showing mm-hmm. that she actually does have a tough life. I think that instead of just making jokes about her leaky whatever... Or, like, the I, Sean stuff. Yeah, like, I'd like to see the, see the actual difficulties that she's going through. And, you know, it's a step to, for her to acknowledge that maybe things aren't that bad, but I actually kind of... Not, not to be mean, I want things to be kind of bad <laughs> mm-hmm. for her uh, because I want that to be represented. Mm-hmm. And um, so I don't know. I, I, I certainly get where you're coming from, but I, I, I don't know. Something about this is sort of hitting hitting me in a way that I'm not super well, vibing with. And now but. that you mention it, you know, I, I remember growing up, like Sean and Corey, they were a couple years older than me, but like I got to grow up kind of with them. Yeah. And I had never been to a trailer park. And, and like, it's, I mean, obviously it was a television show. I just feel yeah. like they, they showed that very well. And I yeah. feel like girl could do that. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I mean, that. honestly on, in a, uh, on, in New York city, I feel like Maya's apartment, like she and her mom could be living in one room together. Uh, I don't know, yeah. New York expert Amanda. <laughs> what would the rent on that baby be? <laughs> oh my god! If that were a studio, probably like twelve to thirteen hundred, bordering fourteen or fifteen. Well, and theoretically, they're all in Greenwich Village because they all go to the same school, <laughs> which is in Greenwich Village. Well, the other thing too is that now that Katie works for the for Topangas, I don't even know how bad her money situation is. If she's like a manager. I don't really know. Yeah, New York yeah. is expensive. Yeah. Guess you just all moved to Florida. <laughs> no state income tax. <laughs> just saying. Oh, um, man. Sorry, one last thing about that scene, yeah. and then I promise we can move on. That's um, fine. This was the whole what us can do for them. Yeah, yeah. So, loved it, obviously. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Another twist on people change people. Yeah. Keep doing you, girl meets world writers. Well, and I think, I think like, can I get on a psychology pedestal? Yeah, sure. <laughs> so, sorry. This is what happens when you ask me to guest. Um, so, one of my favorite psychologists is Al- Alfred Adler. And he um, believed that one of the keys of developing who you are as a person is understanding what you contribute to the world. So a big part of your development is something called social inclusion, which is volunteering and giving of yourself for other people. Because when you give of yourself for other people, you develop an interior sort of competency. And um, I think that that's totally true. Like, I volunteered a lot when I was in high school. I mean, I was very, very privileged growing up. But my big thing in high school was I was always tutoring and doing all these service activities and things like that. And nothing made me happier and nothing made me feel better than, you know, working with kids. And that's why I work at a nonprofit now because Mm -hmm. I continue to feel that way. And it's not always easy, but the gains that you get by giving of yourself to other people are intangible. Mm -hmm. All right. Shall we finally move to the Farkle Stewart scene? Yes, please. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So the money, like you said before, Stuart's money is safe. He bet on the right horse after all. And Farkle doesn't su- think they support enough causes. And they sort of have a talk about how they never see each other. And, you know, what's what's the good of having all this stuff if what we have keeps us apart? This is the thing. is like, I didn't get the vibe that he was gone, like, all, all the time. Like, I think he said, like, sometimes you're not home. But that was very interesting to me because 
that kind of gives him something else to talk about with Maya. And yeah. I almost wish they connected on that like a little sooner. But oh, that also really depends like point. how absent he really is. Yeah. You know, like he made it seem like he was kind of absent. But again, this is one of those things. If he had said like, you're never, ever home, I never see you. Then I would have had a problem with that because why didn't he and Maya like connect on this way yeah. earlier? Yeah. That's a That's really a good point. point. I didn't yeah. even think about it. Yeah. I, this scene really sort of struck home with me because my dad traveled a lot for his job when I was growing up and when I was in middle school and high school and I'm a total daddy's girl and you know I cherish the times that I did have with him but it was hard mm. um, when I would see friends whose dads were there and I, I don't resent him for it and I don't wish he'd made a different decision because he was really really successful and he provided for his family and whatnot but Basically, it's true. Like you, you make these choices as a parent, and I'm not a parent, so I'm just speaking on behalf of parents as somebody that's not one. So I apologize <laughs> if you're parents out there, but you just have to do the best you can in the moment with what you've got. Yeah. And sometimes you're going to make the right decision, and you're going to bet on the right horse, or you're going to bet on the wrong horse. And sometimes you're going to travel a little bit too much. But it's all about balance. You know, it's about cherishing those moments that you are with your child and listening to them if they say they need to see you more. So I feel like I, the episode did a good job not necessarily making money this evil thing, mm. um, because in the end it did do a lot of good which was realistic to me. Cause you, it's not like you want to say like, Oh, parents, like don't try to be successful. If yeah. it keeps you from seeing your kids. Cause it's mm. like, no, I mean, they were able to do a lot of really wonderful things with all of the money that he'd earned, but it's, it's about balance. Yeah. And we just have to constantly remind ourselves of that. Definitely. Man, I had a point that I was really excited about. I have no idea what it is. <laughs> no, no, I'm not blaming you. I'm just totally blanking. I've been trying to remember and now it's totally, totally out of my head. Uh, so I suppose we shall. Move I rendered on. you speechless. <laughs> <laughs> well, they kind of, again, what made this episode like so whole to me was mm. we said this a little before, but what good is what we have if what we have keeps us apart? And that's kind of mm. how the episode started when you go to Farkle's room and they're kind of being kept apart. And yeah. then he relates it back to like maybe not seeing his dad as much as he'd like to. Yeah. So I thought that's a great visual thing. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Great. And then direction. like sitting on the floor, loved it, loved it, loved it. And yeah. this, I feel like that was Ryder and Shiloh strong. They directed the episode. Mm. I just feel like, I could like at this point I feel like I can almost like spot their episodes. Yeah. yeah. Is that weird? <laughs> no, I get oh. it. But I did remember the thing I wanted to say, so I'm gonna say it. Go for <laughs> it. Yay! Uh, You're welcome. <laughs> uh, Amanda had been saying the whole the connection between um between sort of how Katie isn't around and um how Stuart isn't around. And it reminded me of how in the pilot all we knew about Maya's difficulties were there's no one at home to help me with my homework. And I remember in our first podcast ever, we were sort of talking about that. We're like, okay, so does this imply that she's just, she's Sean exactly, you know, like she's poor yeah. like Sean or whatever. <laughs> and I was like, well, what if this is like a total like role, like total reversal, like playing with your expectations? And she is what we're now saying Farkle is. I was like, what if she's super rich and her parents aren't around? And that, you know, and it's showing that side of it. So I just think it's mm -hmm. interesting that we kind of ended up with that story, but just not with her. 
Um, well, and, and it's amazing how the same issues can affect people coming from two totally different worlds. Yeah. Which makes this episode even better, guys. <laughs> I love it. We're meeting the world. <laughs> yes. Love oh, it. man. Gross. All right. Uh, so we have the end of the Augie stuff, and it's sort of about how teachers should be making more money and... Uh... And nonprofit workers. <laughs> sorry. Oh, did I say that? <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, and with the bigger message that Topanga gives is it's, it's what you do, not what you're paid. That's mm-hmm. your value. You know, good stuff. And I certainly understand that as uh, the son of a social worker and a musician, so... Yes! <laughs> yeah. The, intri- right. the intrinsic value of what we contribute makes up for it. <laughs> uh, anything else we want to say about the Yagi stuff, or should we go to Mark Cuban? It was just cute. Yeah. It was cute. I thought the Explain toy. Yourself. Ca- I thought the toy and carrots was a little weird. Like, <laughs> is he what, like a rabbit? Why are you giving him carrot? <laughs> no, because he's like a kid but... trying to like give his dad little gifts. Like that's what it was. No, I no, I, to- <laughs> and I totally dog. identified with Augie, especially considering I totally threw my parents like whatever they made in their faces when I was an angsty <laughs> teenager. So, um, oh, and I really thought at the end, this is one thing, like he, he gave him the dollar and he's like, this is the rest of your allowance. What are you going to do with it? Mm. And he stared at it. And that was a big belief parallel to yeah. me with like mm-hmm. Yogi picking up the $5 bill. Like, yeah. and this is, this is money. This is something that we give value to. What are you going to do with it? Yeah. And what does it mean to you? I, I Very just, consistent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. And, and Jeff wrote belief as well. So. All right. So Mark Cuban, uh, Love he, it. he means absolutely nothing to me. So go ahead. <laughs> okay. So I'll kind of start this conversation. So I'm a huge, huge fan of Shark Tank. Mm-hmm. Mark Cuban is so brilliant. Basically, how he got rich was he beat the whole dot-com bubble burst. Like he made his money right before the burst mm-hmm. and sold all the stock. So this guy's a billionaire, a legitimate billionaire, <laughs> bought the mm-hmm. Mavericks for like funsies. Like, this mm-hmm. is how much money he has. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't heard funsies ever. <laughs> but I love it. Just adding some dramatics to my storytelling. <laughs> funsies. And I love that he was himself on the show mm-hmm. because... Mm-hmm. The way he was acting during this whole scene, like, we'll we'll break it apart, I'm sure, like, by each character, what they said yeah. to him and stuff. But, like, that was very consistent with his Shark Tank character, like, mm-hmm. character, his real-life self. Mm-hmm. And um, he made really good points about, like, who you invest in and who you bet on. And it's this entrepreneurship parallel of, like, mm-hmm. sometimes it's not about trying to make these crazy big what you have to start small and have a purpose and have a reason and it starts with that and you build from there and that's how you know having the passion behind it obviously but huge fan of mark cuban i love the little shark tank bit they did just a throw Mm. to one another one of my favorite shows and i love that they like brought his daughters on there i thought that was really cute Mm. at first i was like what are those those two extras doing were those his daughters believe so that's yeah, adorable I so, yeah. oh my god well because he said i've got two kids there i just i didn't yeah. connect that the first time i saw it but then the second time i saw it i was like wait a minute yeah. <laughs> that was a blonde moment but oh my gosh so okay i had never seen shark tank before and then i watched this episode i'd sort of always known that he was this billionaire because there's not too many billionaires out there mm. so that i knew that he was this billionaire 
investor and owner of this basketball team and very sort of this loud, outspoken personality. And then when I saw him on this episode, I was like, can he please join the cast? Because he was so funny. And I swear I have been binge watching Shark Tank like ever since I saw this episode for the first time. I'm currently on like midway through season three. And Amanda's right. He's he's on point in terms of like. I'm out. I'm out. And then like describing why he invests in something like Mm -hmm. I am just sad. I got on the shark tank (laughs) bus a little bit later because I'm a big fan of investing in venture capitalism and whatnot. But and then how much do you love like Lori Grenier and Barbara? Oh, my gosh. And Barbara about like women in business. Like this goes back to STEM for me. Like I can't. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like totally. Like you have these. And they're and they it's true. They're investing their own personal money in I in not just ideas, but in people and people that they believe in. And the fact that he was so consistent, I mean, and obviously ABC is produces Shark Tank and ABC owns Disney, so I wasn't yeah. surprised that it just happened to be an ABC show. But just the way that he handled it and then the whole like my favorite, favorite, favorite scene of season two has been Riley's next rant. <laughs> like Ever. Like, yeah. because I knew it was um, improv. And so the whole, like, bringing her in, Rowan being this huge Knicks fan, mm. I feel like that was probably improv, and her reaction was probably improv. Mm. You know, I just, I really, I loved it. And that yeah. really Rowan kind of... probably really did want to say that to him. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, that and, was like, her whole, like, face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tough room. Like, I thought that was so great. So, I'll say, I think it was a very strong use of a guest star. I thought there was a lot of strong comedy here. The name Mark Cuban, I literally wouldn't have been able to tell you who he was at all. So, I don't have, like, the excitement of seeing Mark Cuban on the show or anything like that. But <laughs> we're like, here for. Yeah. But, like, I had heard of Shark Tank, even if I hadn't seen it. And so, I, I know those kinds of shows. And I got the vibe that this is probably what he does on a Shark Tank. And it was fun. And he was an, a nice little thing. It was kind of funny that it almost felt like um, it, I, I was like surprised at how long the episode felt because when the when the scene ended before this Mark Cuban thing, if the episode had just ended there with like Augie's lesson and then gone to the tag, I would have felt like it felt like a full episode. <laughs> but then we have this huge section with Mark Cuban, and uh, you know it felt it felt pretty cool, and it was uh, it's a fun section. I definitely agree with the Nick stuff it was really funny, and um, yeah. And it just made sense. Like, I know we've had criticism. Well, we, I'm only on this thing three times, but (laughs) I know you've had criticism about like the placement of like musical acts and Mm -hmm. throwing in guest stars. Like I liked Perez on Rara, but again, it was kind of just like a throw in. Like this Mm -hmm. made a lot, a lot of sense based on the story start to finish. It makes Mm -hmm. sense that he would be good friends with Minkus and that they've done business together at some point. Maybe one invested in the other. Who knows? (laughs) Yeah. And it just made sense in this world. It made sense that he'd be in New York City. And And most importantly, it was funny. You know? The only thing, very funny, Minkus, yeah. Cuban. Oh my gosh! And, and Topanga's like, I like him because Topanga would say yeah. that. And then, like, Mark will talk with the other investors on Shark Tank and be like, "What are we being nice now?" Like mm-hmm. the way he did with Corey. 
Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing that didn't make sense to me is that this owner of like this huge billion dollar company would not already have had a family foundation, mm-hmm. but that's very <laughs> nitpicky and like almost way too nitpicky <laughs> for me even to mention. So I don't know why I did, <laughs> but I, I, I really, I, he was so funny the way he dealt with Riley with Halloween yeah. and the way he yeah. dealt with Lucas. It was just so yeah. him. I loved the butt malaria and the Miss America <laughs> thing. Like all that was great. I miss America. Yeah. Yeah. On Shark Tank, he's able, like, sometimes on Shark Tank, they have, like, very socially responsible, mm-hmm. smart ideas, or even mm-hmm. if it's not as socially responsible, like, you as a viewer are like, wow, why didn't I think of that? And then Mark's able to say, like, well, what about this? And what about that? Like, and all of a sudden, are you like, wait, maybe not. And Gandhi kind of do world Riley, you know? Yeah. 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 I was like, and, oh, brilliant. Let's spend all this stupid holiday money on malaria and it's like well how realistic is that blah 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 and it's so true like because you want to have these and they're young so of course they have these really aspirational things and it would be Maya who was the realist to come in and say maybe we should fix people's roofs you know but like for Lucas to be like world peace like Miss America (laughs) and for him to be like what you're not Gandhi you think you're Gandhi you know Gandhi couldn't do it you you know like that's totally Mark Cuban, but that's very much in character for Riley and for Lucas and for Farkle and for Maya. Yeah. Because Farkle, mm-hmm. his big thing is believing in his friends. And this showed that rather than said it. Um, yeah. so exactly. I, I also I think I think the Maya stuff also really, again, felt like a big Sean thing of uh, setting her on the path of that Sean took with, you know, education is what's important for me. This is how I'm going to get out of this. You know, I'm going mm-hmm. to pay attention to what he says. I'm going to get education and I'm going to get a good job. Um, very Sean parallel there. And, uh, yeah, I liked it all. I liked all his interaction with all four of them. And uh, I don't have much else to say. But... Well, one of my favorite lines was when she's like, um, like, or she's like, when I become one of you. Yeah. Like, because people mm-hmm. say that on the Shark Tank because they're, you have these multimillionaires sitting in front of you and you mm-hmm. know that these people are hoping to be them one day. Yeah. And that's how I felt about Maya. She's like, I'm going to be one of you one day. Like, and when she was like, hey, Cuban, my heart. You know, like, I love mm-hmm. that. It was just, it was very Maya to me. And I've, so now, missed, I've you, missed her. Were th- was the you, in your mind, was the you talking about a million, like a millionaire or was it talking about an adult? Because I took it as when I become an adult, I'm going to leave it to the adults. And then when I become an adult, so I'm going to. Well, I think. Yeah, I wouldn't say millionaire because she was kind of looking at Corey and Topanga too. And like, yeah. they're well off. Yeah, they're not millionaires. But I think she's saying like when I'm successful and yeah. can make a name mm-hmm. for myself, like I've yeah. learned from mm-hmm. this and I'm going to help people in the same boat. And this is a Sean parallel because Sean yeah. says this to Maya. Like I would mm-hmm. never let someone grow up like that. Yeah, and so I, I took it more as like responsible adult who's yeah. doing. I well. thought it. I thought it was a good callback to the monetary thing from Shark mm-hmm. Tank, but yeah. I took it in the episode more as when I'm in the position of being somebody who can change the world. Yeah. All right. Can we move to the tag? I'm trying to think if I had the creep. The, the creepy video. <laughs> yeah, the tag was not my favorite. I don't thing. like Farkle having a video camera outside of my. Yeah. <laughs> oh God, I didn't even <laughs> think about that aspect of it. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, I always I thought it was creepy just in general that he'd be walking these people on the street, but yeah, and, like, also talking outside to of them, not yeah. even watching. Like, yeah, that's Hi. weird. That like Sorry. that's like the walk with their voices or whatever he did. Yeah, no, I that's was gonna weird. say in Master Plan. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Wasn't a huge fan of both the camera or the because like, the whole point of the episode was we're wasting too much stuff, money on extravagant things for Farkle's room, and then he makes an entire room within the room. It felt like it did not fit the uh, the message here. But Dan, <laughs> but... it brought them closer together. Yeah. Okay. No, it created the intimacy that he needed. Like. Couldn't he have, like, moved to a smaller room in the house? There's probably a smaller room. In the like Megaplex? The There's, the like, a servant room. <laughs> <laughs> he could have taken train B to the smaller room wing. <laughs> but, like, I mean, I think sometimes people need to be reminded. Like, people complain when you donate and you spend money on things like plaques and statues yeah. that you're taking away from money going to the actual cause. But like mm. sometimes visual reminders are really important as tangible, I guess not, I don't want to say reminders again, but you know, like mm. w- telling you what you need to do and saying, don't forget about me, you know? So like that's his place that he can go to. I liked it. Yeah. He had the room. He had the room for it. <laughs> it is true. Um, yeah, the camera was a little weird. Was this the Maya's room one, or was it actually in Maya's room when Riley sings that little song? The song was in Far- the Maya's room in Farkle's room. <laughs> the, the room, the room, room within a yeah. room. I will say that the zombie song is probably my favorite moment of the episode. I really enjoyed <laughs> that. Yeah. And it was it was a cool little a cute little moment with her and Lucas, so I was a fan. You did it confuse you because there wasn't any context around it? Because I sort of know a little bit of context around it that was cut out of the episode. Um, no, it just felt like Riley. But okay. what's the context? Yeah, well, what's the context? Well, apparently from sources um, that had been to a live taping, basically she and Lucas had had sort of just like a little like tiffed earlier about. You know, when people when women are confident, they sing and they play guitar or something. And so Mm. basically she's showing him and that's why he says very confident. I don't necessarily know what the context of the argument was. I just know that it was apparently a really cute Riley and Lucas moment that was cut. Uh, That's unfortunate. But I uh, I think I think it worked anyway, because to me it was more like he was like searching for a positive thing to say. And the best he could say about that was that he was confident about it. <laughs> that's, that's a good point. I like yeah. that. <laughs> um, but I, I definitely enjoyed that. Anything else, sir? We ending out here. I think that's pretty much it. I'm just trying to think of other random things. I'm like going through my notes here. Um, mm-hmm. Like one thing in the Mark Cuban scene where she th- Maya thinks she's in trouble and she's like, I didn't do it. And these two are with me the whole time. <laughs> like, that was really cute. That was and good. then they both come in kind of like dumb. Like, I don't know. I thought that yeah. was so funny. It reminds me of like when they all peek out the window. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, loved that. What are some like other funny things that happen? Die suckers die. We kind of generalized <laughs> mm-hmm. all those yeah. jokes in there, but that was a great joke too. Yeah. The zombie stuff was great. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I loved it when, um, Minkus, when Freckle was like, I think we should give all our money away. And Mikos was like, you are not getting to the company. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's such a parental thing. Like, yeah. when you hear this child, like, well, you are not getting control of this company. <laughs> Never mind. Like, right after he was like, you're going to be inheriting a very successful company. Like, I thought that was really funny. <laughs> Hit home. <laughs> Did either of you miss seeing Farkle's mom this week? Do you think that she should have been in it, or did it not really matter? I think it would have been a very funny, like, B-plot of her maybe, like, throwing things at him. Mm. <laughs> like, the whole I mean, thing with the ring, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I kind of miss Say, but I kind of 
didn't necessarily need him there. Does that make any sense? Uh, I, I wasn't asking about Zay. I well, no, I was, about, I was thinking, uh, I was like, well, in addition to that, like, yeah, there are yeah. other characters that might have been in addition yeah. to it. Well, the problem, here's the problem with Zay. I actually like him now, and I think the actor is funny, but having five characters doesn't always work. And so, like, I feel like it would have been too many people, so they made the right choice yeah. not to have him. But I like Zayn, <laughs> so, like, it's a weird thing. Where, I don't know. Yeah, it really I, is, like, came out of nowhere. It came out of my mind. I was like, oh, <laughs> other characters we might have seen. ADHD, sorry. <laughs> but, yeah, I didn't need to see Fargo's mom. I thought it worked fine without her. Yeah, it wasn't. I didn't feel like we were missing her or anything. All right. Should I end out? Well, are you going to give it a grade? Oh, I can give it a grade. Oh, yeah. I I guess I'm going... My my feeling... I feel like you kind of still... You're still as hesitant as you were in the beginning, just based on... I'll say if I'm going to give it a grade right now, it's probably a B. That's fair. You felt B-ish. Yeah. Uh, But potentially stay tuned on the Twitter account at Podcast. Maybe I will watch it a second time and, and change my mind, you know? But uh, it, I, feel, I think it's a good episode. I, I totally understand why you guys are championing, championing it. I think it's a great message. And uh, maybe it's something that if I come back to it even a couple weeks or something from now, I'll, I'll be in a different mood or something, and it'll just hit me more. Mm-hmm. You know. But I also think if I – probably if I was a Shark Tank fan, it would also help a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. I don't think you need to be a Shark yeah. Tank fan. I think it adds to it if you're yeah. a Shark Tank fan because mm-hmm. you see that – Mark Cuban really is playing a slightly exaggerated version of himself, yeah, but yeah. Um, yeah, that's again, true. it was like the last <laughs> part of the episode, and yeah. I don't know if we want to get into this, but about the promo, it was awful, so awful, nothing to do with this episode at all, uh, they made it like yeah. the whole thing would be a Shark Tank episode. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. no, because I was, it, it was, it far exceeded my expectations from that promo, because that exactly. promo, I thought, I thought... When I saw this promo, I honestly thought it was going to be like World of Terror 2 or something, where it was just completely right? like a ridiculous episode of its stunt casting. and. It seems silly. Know. Like, I remember yeah. the writers tweeted a while back, like, we have this many episodes left. This many are great. This many are amazing. Yeah. Like, whatever their scale was. Yeah. And yeah, we were trying to figure like, it out. <laughs> yeah, and I remember thinking, like, oh, money's going to be, like, all right, I'm sure it's fine. Yeah. The way they were promoting it, the knowing that Mark Cuban was in it, but it ended up being like a very strong, strong episode, like even more so than STEM for me. And I think that's why I yes. gave it the higher grade. Mm. Like talk about like what should be like a model for other Girl yeah. Meets World episodes. And I would go with this one again. Does it top Texas or any of those like big dramatic plotline arc episodes? Not necessarily, but mm. I found it to be, so solid and like if i were trying to get other people to watch this would be one of the episodes i'd have them watch it did top a lot of those big dramatic arc episodes for me i think part of the reason was one because katie you know smacked me in the head about not judging it (laughs) based on (laughs) based on um you know how it's being aired and um secondly because I didn't necessarily go in with too many expectations you know Mm. it was like money was kind of filmed in between Texas 2 and 3 and like there was like and like what's gonna happen in Bay Window and there's all this excitement about legacy and like money was just kind of you know it was like filmed in front of a live audience and you sort of knew it wasn't gonna be a big ship episode so I feel like going in was sort of like I'm gonna, you know, maybe yeah. like it. Well, and then I was just like, whoa, I loved it. 
<laughs> at minimum, it's a phenomenal filler episode because it's it's still it's teaching you a very valuable thing and tackling a valuable topic, even if it doesn't necessarily matter so much to the arc. I do hope it matters to the arc in that we get a little bit less of Maya complaining from now on, or at least at least specifically about her leaky roof. Um, hopefully, that doesn't happen in communis- communism. I was gonna say communism. <laughs> Let's knock on wood about about that. Oh. But like, I mean, it felt it felt so friendship, you know, and mm. it felt so core four. And I it think f- that's maybe what the season one feels came from. Yeah. Exactly. Season one friendship. Yeah. <laughs> season one friendship. You know. Yeah, but- <laughs> it, it felt like what I would want season one to have been. You know, a, a heightened quality version. wise. Yeah. 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 I, like I said, it was like a season one episode with the quality of season two. Yeah, and I agree. I really want more episodes like this in season three once the bromantic stuff is resolved because mm. real life issues is more than your middle school boyfriend. Mm-hmm. But not when you're in middle school. That's all that matters. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> all right. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, if you want to contact us and have your voices heard, you can send us an email at gmwpodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at gmwpodcast. Uh, please leave us an iTunes rating or review. That would really help us out. You can also check us out on Stitcher if you're an Android user. Check out gmwpodcast.com. Uh, which has everything, blogs. We just had a recent blog from Gemma about whether they should retire Feeny's character. <laughs> I thought she did a great job. I just so did the Minkus cry sound <laughs> <laughs> at the thought of Feeny dying. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so if you want to be, you know, if you want to send a voicemail in, you can do that through the email. Or if you want to be a part of, you know, send, make a guest blog the way Gemma did, you can send us your ideas at gmwpodcast at gmail.com uh, so thank you Gemma and you guys want to say your Twitter handles or whatever oh I'm Nan from Florida <laughs> at, at Nan from Florida because I'm Nan from Florida and I'm at GMW Buzz on Twitter and my name's Amanda I kind of talked about it enough last week but I yeah. pretty much write BuzzFeed articles click the link in my bio <laughs> um, <laughs> I have I think the last one I published was like already a month ago. Whoops, trying to write another one soon. <laughs> as soon as possible. Eek. Real life's happening. Super yeah. busy, but working on it. Anyway, yeah. follow me on Twitter. Tweet at me. Follow me. I follow back. She's right. a big deal. <laughs> Thank you guys for listening. And as always, dream. Try. Do good. Class, Class dismissed. Forget about the price tag. Yeah.